You're listening to In Network, Nordic's podcast series where we explore healthcare and technology with experts from around the globe. Hello, and welcome to the In Network podcast feature, Making Rounds. I'm Nordic's head of thought leadership, Dr. Jerome Pagani. I recently sat down with Nordic's digital health practice leader, Kevin Ertl, and Nordic's president of managed services, Paul Slaughter. Having worked in data analytics and reporting at Mayo Clinic for nearly a decade, Kevin now leads a team at Nordic that works strategically with healthcare organizations to build and support digital and cloud solutions that transform their operations. Paul has over 25 years of experience in IT and operations with a focus on the healthcare industry. He oversees a team that provides critical technical support and maintenance to healthcare organizations around the globe. In today's podcast, we talk about managed services, what it is, how it's been applied in healthcare historically, and how support has changed through the years. Kevin tells us about the tools providers are using to turn data into insights today and how tools like AI will accelerate that in the future. Paul shares the three-tiered strategic centers approach and how it differs from the traditional managed services delivery models of the past. With its combination of commoditized and dedicated innovation resources, it drives better cost savings, co-created innovation, and ultimately higher client satisfaction. Time to make rounds. Kevin, Paul, thanks for being here with us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Paul, help us understand a little bit about what managed services looks like uh, from a healthcare perspective. So, so managed services is a, is a, is a method by which uh, IT departments and, and IT services can be provided to uh, healthcare clients, any, any client for that matter, um, via a, a industry standard best practice manner that allows for consistency of delivery, uh, achievement of, of specific uh, uh, KPIs, SLAs, uh, to ensure that, that technology supports the business appropriately. Why would somebody want to bring in outside expertise? I think a lot of organizations, uh, their, their, their primary business is not technology delivery. And, and, so, and so most of the time, uh, because the goal of the organization is not necessarily technology delivery, for example, within healthcare, it's care delivery. And so technology just enables the care delivery. And so, and so I think organizations have found out that, that if they stay true to their core business and focus on that and, and eliminate the distraction of other industries and businesses, that they, they can provide a better experience for their patients and for their clinicians and, and physicians and nurses as they, as they deliver care. Right. And as you said, uh, mission of healthcare organizations is really around that delivery of care. So, so what's the history of managed services in healthcare? How did it start to become a, sort of a regular part of the business? Yeah. So, so actually, uh, managed services you know, started in other industries, uh, I think, and bled into healthcare. So uh, a, a good example is the, the financial industry, um, because they are so return on investment focused um, and, and delivery focused really started to get into managed services well before the rest of the markets. And then I think, um, you know, manufacturing and other commercial industries followed pretty quickly. Healthcare has been consistently, I would say, about a decade behind, um, if not a little bit more, these other industries, uh, because the investment required to, to move to a managed services environment is a little bit more, and, and healthcare is a leaner from an, uh, an operating income uh, perspective. So historically, what services haven't been um, put out to a managed services model in healthcare? Yeah, so, so at the beginning of managed services, uh, you know, a few decades ago, I think uh, the the market 
or the vendors, I should say, not the market, the, the vendors really focused on that commoditized IT and, and minimizing that distraction towards uh, towards organizations, things like service desk, desktop, uh, server storage, network, uh, data center operations, those types of functions. Um, organizations uh, traditionally back then were, were very reluctant and reticent to give these uh, larger SI vendors access to their clinical decision support, their, their EMR, their Epic, their Meditech, their Cerner, because that's the heart of the beast. And, and that wasn't necessarily a core competency of the larger SI vendors. And so we always struggled as an SI vendor to get to the client's EMR. Um, and so traditionally, it's really been focused on more of the infrastructure type, uh, type work, the commoditized type work. So what does the managed services market look like today in healthcare? We're sort of beyond the initial stages of digitization. We're talking about cloud journeys, integration with platform, the kinds of tools and technologies that better support the patient-physician interaction. Where is managed services showing the most value today in healthcare? I think you need to think about where managed services has come from that commoditized IT, large SI vendor, single throat to choke. Then the market really evolved into more of a boutique world-class or best-in-class providers of specific tranches of managed services of, of that the IT uh, department. And, and so what happened was we, we went from a singular few vendors to a multitude of vendors that provided specific services to a very high degree of precision and client satisfaction. Um, and that's happened over the past 10, 20 years. Where we see ourselves now, I think, is really uh, vendor exhaustion uh, with our clients. You know, the, the vendor ecosystem that, that, that CIOs and others have to manage is in the 20, 30 plus range of, of different groups. And so they really become their own sim uh, in terms of having to manage governance and, and, and the overall services that are provided in a coordinated manner. And, and as I talk to CIOs nowadays, uh, the, the, the message that I hear from them is I'm tired of managing a multitude of vendors. I don't want to go back to uh, a, a single throat to choke, um, but I do want to create a much smaller three to five uh, strategic partner vendor ecosystem. So. Healthcare isn't the first industry to invest and implement managed services. What can we learn from models of other industry? You've already mentioned that the sort of commoditized IT isn't a great fit for healthcare, but are there other lessons um, we can kind of pull in? Yeah, I think I think we've been learning from other industries in the managed services realm for quite a while now. Um, I'll, I'll give you a good example of that. You know, from from financial industry perspective. You know, the trading floor and our sparing strategy actually in, in healthcare comes from finance um, and being able to swap out a laptop um, on the trading floor in a very rapid manner, having a closet on the floor, being able to do that to ensure that the traders kept doing what they were doing, which is which is providing the benefit to the to the financial organization. Th those kinds of things actually came from lessons learned uh, in the finance industry. Um, I think the other, the other the other lesson that I would say we've learned and continue to learn from other industries is data and analytics. Um, finance was the first uh, industry as well to really invest heavy into analytics and understand how an ROI is generated to stand up proofs of concept, um, test those proofs of concept, spin it down if it didn't work, 
um, and invest additional um, uh, capital into proofs of concept that did actually deliver the, the return and the benefit that they were looking for. We've taken a lot of that initial data analytics in healthcare and really spun it across different um, platforms as well as different business units within healthcare to, to see how those analytics can, can benefit. Paul, you mentioned in the beginning that uh, a managed services approach allows customers to really focus on mission critical stuff. But what are the other advantages of managed services? What are typical goals or KPIs? Um, how do folks think about uh, whether or not this is a success for their organization? I think organizations that have successfully implemented and used managed services to 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 their benefit uh, from a strategic perspective have really thought about managed services different. Uh, there's a lot of organizations that just use uh, IT, think about IT as a commodity, not an asset. And, and so they use it for cost savings. That's an easy, um, typical engagement that we see. It's really, I think, I, I see the market really kind of evolving into typical goals now being more than just KPIs and service levels to ensure that the that their constituents, their customers, the, the the clinicians and nurses and physicians, as well as even the patients, get a get a get a a a solid, dependable, consistent. Uh, quality service. But I think more organizations now are starting to think about IT as an asset versus a commodity and are really starting to say, hey, you know, we've spent the past 10 years, um, it was easier to get capital than it was to get operating budgets. And so instead of tuning the systems that we had, we just implemented new systems. And, and so you end up with these, these environments where the ecosystem of, of, of your Technology solutions is vast and 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 shallow, um, and so I think a lot of organizations now, as they use it as a differentiator, managed services as a differentiator in the organization, are forcing uh, the the vendors to now evolve, mature, transform their organization, rationalize their applications, um, really start to you know work into you know a, a higher level of precision with with leveraging and expanding the current environment that they have instead of adding new things to that environment. And so I think we're evolving well past just the typical KPIs and SLAs into a true transformative um, uh, you know, state where, where we look at maturity models you know, day one and where do we want to be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now uh, as we leverage managed services to help us get there um, without necessarily spending a ton more money on individual contract changes and project work. And Kevin, what's so special about the EHR that differentiates it from the systems that other industries have been working in? And uh, how does that impact uh, a managed services approach in healthcare? Yeah, well, Paul just started to hit on it, right, with the multitude of business units that we need to support. So if you think of an EHR, we're not just supporting clinicians or operational folks or business uh, office folks or supply chain folks. It's all the above. So when we think of managed services and how to support what appears to be a singular application within healthcare, it really can be equated to a, a lot of different applications in places like finance and retail and what have you. So when these tickets are coming in and there might be a perceived problem for something such as access, for example, and if we get a, a, a quote unquote access issue from four or five different departments or a latency issue, we might actually equate that uh, after some troubleshooting to maybe a, a potential issue with a network or a potential issue with a firewall or whatever it may be. So unless you can have that 
kind of 30,000 foot, 360 uh, degree kind of view, it's really hard to, to do some of that quick troubleshooting because we are supporting so many different kinds of people and different kinds of end users. So it's, it's critically important to Paul's point to understand who we're supporting and then how we correlate that back to the actual technology, whether it be an application or some of the infrastructure we might be running on. So from an infrastructure perspective, Kevin, are there certain platforms to consider that help make a managed services approach successful? Yeah. So from an infrastructure standpoint, we want to be able to make sure that we can grow and evolve with the business. So one of the core ways we're seeing uh, organizations do that right now and what we're doing even internally is to leverage some of the public cloud platforms to make sure that we're never the bottleneck, right? We don't want to be a reason why we can't grow or evolve or add another application or bring on additional people uh, to support uh, an organization more broadly than maybe we had it in the initial contract. So we're starting to see a, a lot of these scalable platforms become very popular and very efficient. And we're also starting to see the need to integrate um, additional systems that maybe haven't always been integrated in the past. Like Paul mentioned earlier, we have to have that large perspective or that high level perspective of all the data to be able to support the collective business, not just individual business units. Uh, the way in which we do that is to make sure that we're capturing information that we're helping these organizations with and also bringing some ideas to the table. Um, it can't just be passive anymore to say, yes, we might be doing our job answering the phone and, and solving tickets, but we're going to start to see trends over time with some of that data. And by capturing and integrating, we can see the patterns and we can start to see the behaviors of these different business units and bring solutions to the table and not just respond to problems. Yeah. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about how managed services has consumed data in the past and, and what that's done. I, th I think, you know, it, we've evolved well past the old decision support department in the, in the, in the hospital systems. You know, there, there's, there's, you know, those guys that originally were using, you know, access databases, doing some pretty cool stuff with census data, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, that that we've evolved well past that now. We're really into, you know, most organizations have an EDW. Most organizations have a data lake uh, and a few data models. But now we're really starting to get not just um, reactive to data that we need to run the business, but we're starting to get really proactive with data and preventative with data. Um, and, and what do I mean by that? Proactive, you know, how can we get ahead of certain trends that we see coming in, not just from a technology perspective, from a but from a business perspective regarding patient engagement, et cetera. And then really, once we start to look at that data, we can, it'll allow us to get more preventative. And how do we make sure that certain aspects of the business don't get negatively impacted by, by events um, and, and by normal course of business in the environment? So I think we're, we're starting to really push into that proactive and preventative measures, uh, leveraging data uh, aspect of how uh, you know, managed services delivers to healthcare. That's great. And Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about the tools folks are using right now to turn those data into insights and maybe some use cases for, for where we've seen it have a huge impact in the way that managed services are delivered? Yeah. So this kind of goes back to the, the broader story we've been talking about a little bit, um, Jerome, on, on other recordings as well, which is really the BI modernization story. We, we talk about this a lot as it relates to um, you know, the clinical and, and some of the revenue cycle components within healthcare, but it also certainly applies to managed services. You know, one, one use case could be around call centers and when patients are calling in and what kind of support they're needing, what level of support are they needing throughout the day? And it's not always a, an eight to five kind of consideration. You know, personally, I was helping at one point in a previous job several years ago at this point, 
with provider credentialing. So we had to know when the shift changes were happening, even in the middle of the night, because we knew that phone might ring and somebody had to be able to pick up that phone and resolve access issues that make for a, a clinician that maybe hadn't logged into a legacy system for the last eight months or seven months or what have you. So you can start to use data and you can start to see the, the trends and the patterns based off of what information is coming in or what calls are coming in from patients, from other people providing services throughout the, the collective healthcare ecosystem. Uh, one of the, those things that really starts to, to bubble to the top after you start to look at those um, data points is really where that intelligence can be applied to some of the call centers and to some of the managed services um, departments as well. So you're not just kind of making estimates or guesses based off of resourcing and what you think might be correct, but you're using data to really drive how you staff and how you support those that are, are looking for uh, that managed services support more broadly. So we've talked a little bit about past state and current state with uh, the intersection between data and managed services. What does the future look like near term and, and three to five years out with what an enterprise can do with data and things like automation and AI and how will that change the way managed services are delivered? Yeah, so I, I can certainly start here. And we're starting to see some of this already with chatbots, and we're seeing a lot of really good success, specifically uh, on the patient front in terms of interacting with their health system. So as you start to think through how you interact with your uh, physician or within you know your hospital ecosystem that maybe you go to as a patient, well, oftentimes, at least for me, it starts with a chat. I want to ask a question uh, of the, the local healthcare system, if you will, and say, Hey, I'm feeling this way. I'm looking for this kind of service. Can you help me? Well, through chatbots in today's world, we can direct that question and that message to the right person within an organization to start to answer questions, right? And in some cases, it might need to be a clinician. A nurse might need to pick up the phone and say, oh, wow, based off of what you're asking, you have some uh, serious health concerns. We, we need to get you to uh, the ED or whatever the scenario may be. But the point is we want to get people working top of license. So if people are just calling or messaging in or calling in with some very basic questions around how I contact my physician or where do I go for my lab results, things like that, we can automate those processes. And we're already starting to see that right now. Where I think we'll continue to see trends in this direction is starting to answer more precise questions uh, via AI, because we're going to start to um, see more value coming from the data that we're already collecting. And we're going to continue to see patterns in terms of which people are calling in or, or messaging in with a variety of different questions. And we're going to capture those answers associated to those questions for those patients. So as a patient, you know, I'm Kevin Erdahl when I call in uh, to a healthcare system or when I chat with a, a representative and we can start to use AI to say, okay, Kevin is this persona with these demographics and has been to this health system for these reasons, we can start to foreshadow and start to predict uh, what kind of uh, care that uh, Kevin Erdahl might need as a patient. So I think we'll see a lot of trend in that direction. Uh, we want to be very cognizant uh, of some of the potential bias that's associated with some of the AI in the market today. So we want to make sure that we're we're staying on top of what the prescribed uh, answers might be as we continue to go forward, but we have to apply that to um, the patients and also the, the care providers that are seeking help from um, some of the shared services more broadly as well. Yeah, I, I think on top of that too, you can leverage, you know, the, that data abstraction, you know, automation and AI can can help you do all kinds of things. Um, everything from from looking at uh, specific business units and how they operate, how they can get more precise in, in their care delivery, and quality, but it, but it also will help do a lot of things like with exception-based medicine around virtual care and, and remote patient monitoring, 
It'll help us understand, you know, individual personalized care metrics that will allow us to get, like I said, a higher level of precision um, for the actual patient that we're looking at today, not just a cardiology patient in general. And I think, and I think something like that is very exciting as, as organizations really try to use that data abstraction um, in for very specific use cases and purposes that that I think can can go everywhere in the organization, not just clinical delivery of care, but also HR finance. Um, you can you can take that data abstraction and AI and and really turn it to a, a multitude of use cases, which I think is going to change how care is delivered and how healthcare operates in general. Yeah, and I would even say we can use some of the data just from you know the BI modernization standpoint to drive where we need to put more emphasis on AI. To your point, Paul, where do we need more help? Where where do we see a large volume of support needed? And we can really start to hone in on what makes the most sense for an individual organization based off of the data that we already do have. So that's an exciting time to help, uh, like I said, bring solutions to the table and, and make decisions based off of facts and data. Is part of the managed services model then to become an innovation partner with clients? I think the market demands it. Uh, I think right now, again, you, you know, the, the days of a commoditized large SI vendor keeping the lights on and keeping you know, and, and leaving, you know, the, the end of the contract the same way they walked in to the beginning of the contract. I think those days are over. I think I think the market is requiring their strategic partner. Um, to help mature them, evolve them, and transform them um, from a technology perspective. Again, it goes back to, you know, I feel like we've crossed the Rubicon from, you know, technology providers just keeping the lights on to to really being that now strategic partner instead of transactional vendor. And, and that's that's something that that I think the market is is demanding um, from from technologists these days. Yeah, absolutely. And that's our duty, right? I mean, you see some of the success uh, within the cybersecurity realm where, you know, a, a bank has successfully defended themselves from a bad actor. Well, as a shared services provider, we need to be able to say one of our hundred clients had success while implementing this system this way. And if client number 50 wants to implement that same system and we can do that in a more innovative or automated fashion, we have to bring those solutions forward to, to help make things more efficient and more effective. Um, that's our responsibility as an organization that's working with a multitude of different clients. And I think we can do that in a, in a um, not in a competitive manner, but in a collaborative manner Absolutely. Um, across, across clients um, and across regions um, with, within the U.S. or any other global organization. I think that that, that shared services model, that, that kind of center of performance uh, is, is key in, in creating the right best practice across not just day-to-day -day delivery, but how we leverage automation, how we leverage AI. Um, you know, those kinds of things uh, will permeate delivery uh, across the globe and, 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 and raise all boats, I think, um, in terms of our ability to, to deliver that, that high precision um, quality of care. No question. Say a little more about the, the center idea, because I think that's a departure from the way that folks have thought about delivering managed services in the past and, and maybe is one of the differentiators for making a, a successful managed services relationship work in healthcare. Yeah, I think we've we've had to really um, evolve our thinking and how we how we approach a shared services model um, within a managed services structure. And so and so where, uh, again, I think uh, a lot of organizations have 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 leveraged the your mess for less deals 
with large SI vendors where 95% of the of the the jobs as well as the services move to an offshore location in in chasing that high uh, percentage of cost savings i think more organizations now are thinking about it differently because because again they're looking for that maturation and that evolution of their of their technology as an asset versus cost savings as a commoditized or it or cost center and and so what what we employ uh, specifically for Nordic is a shared services model that looks at a 70-30 model. And, and we do that via centers of, of delivery. And so what do we mean when we say that, that delivery center concept? Well, from a shared services perspective, we really talk about centers of scale, centers of performance, and centers of excellence. Um, and, and the associated global work distribution into each of those centers. Centers of scale is exactly what you would think. It's more commoditized IT. It's 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 service desk, it's desktop type things where, where outside of the field services piece for desktop, those services can really be delivered from anywhere in the globe to a high level of, of satisfaction and precision um, without losing any value to the organization. Then you've got centers of, of performance where we look at enterprise systems like ServiceNow, like a Workday, like an ERP type system where we can consolidate the delivery of that in a regional model or a truly globalized model. And we're not really hurting any one health system by doing HR onboarding uh, the, the same way via Workday all the time. And so we want to put those professionals that support those, those enterprise applications together to really work on uh, evolving best practice um, and maturing organizational um, delivery for those enterprise systems. And then the last piece is represented by the 30%, um, which is centers of, of excellence. And that's highly tethered to client, client-specific, generally focused on the EMR, but, but customizable by clients, focused on that clinical decision support. And how do we evolve and tune those systems to meet the needs of providers uh, and patients um, in terms of, you know, how do I make this a more efficient process, less clicks for the physician? How do I incorporate these other solutions? How do we maximize the use of solutions in lieu of implementing new solutions uh, within that center of excellence? And we really intend to leave those resources uh, close to the, the, the client um, so that we can leverage best practice across the industry, but create bespoke solutions and tuned solutions for the clients that are, that are, that are leveraging our services. I like the idea of that co-creation of uh, both uh, efficiency for current state and that sort of innovative look into what physicians um, and their patients will need next. Kevin Paul, thanks very much for joining me today. It was a pleasure having you. Always fun to be here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check back for more episodes of Making Rounds wherever you listen to podcasts or on nordicglobal.com. Till next time, we'll see you in network. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. This helps others find the podcast as well.